Something would go sideways. He'll come back into the office. He'll like slam the door and like, you're all morons. You're all fired. And we'll like pick up, go outside for a smoke. And then literally three hours later or so, he'll come out and like, okay, come back to work. Welcome to Discovering Design, and thanks for listening. For this episode, I'd like to introduce Jan Grishnein, Head of Design at Hyper, the passwordless company, HCI and Accessibility Certified Leader, Speaker, and Mentor. Prior to design, Jan explored a career as an interior designer. We'll learn about immigrant life in Canada, why every challenge is really an opportunity in disguise, and how saying yes, even when you're not confident in your skills, could elevate your career even faster. Exiled from his homeland, life was far from easy for Jan. When we just came to Israel, we came from nothing in Soviet Union, because in Soviet Union you're not allowed to be anything, really. Um, and suddenly you're in this completely new environment where you basically don't know the language, you don't know the culture. Uh, you had to run away from Soviet Union because you're Jewish and you're being prosecuted there. Uh, and so. What happened is that my parents struggled a lot, at least for the first probably seven, eight, nine years in Israel as, you know, raising two kids. I have a sister, uh, six year difference. And uh, their goal or I guess their passion or, or vision was for me and my sister to have some kind of a solid profession that regardless of where you are, you are in demand and a lawyer, doctor, you know, financial analyst, whatever the case is, seems like one of those professions that ultimately always needed and typically makes shit on the money. Uh, that was an experience because suddenly you see stores with everything that typically you want <laughs> in, in any other instance. Uh, I don't know, it was, it was fun. I was, a, I was a horrible student. I typically walked past my high school most of the time and went to the beach. <laughs> Uh, I grew up in the beach town, and so uh, it was there, so why not? The only thing, I guess, that, that led to my uh, wildness, if you will, as, as a human being is the fact that I kind of grew up on the streets, which means my parents worked a lot because we we're immigrants, and so they worked day and night, and I basically was raising myself. So I was on the streets most of the time, hanging around, doing some dumb stuff here and there. I finished my military service in... August of 2000. Right now, it's literally 20 years today that I finished my uh, military service. And I went and rejoined my family in Canada. And so for the first probably year, I was just working with my dad at like a warehouse order picker, picking boxes for stores. In Jan's family, being an artist is the genetic predisposition. Funny thing, both my parents and my entire family are artists. but obviously, uh, Soviet Union did not allow artists to flourish. Uh, my father was a professional bell, uh, ballroom dancer. And uh, when he tried to apply to a uh, dancing academy in Kiev uh, at the time, they said no Jews allowed. So uh, unfortunately, he couldn't do that. However, my mom, she's a piano and vocal teacher. Uh, so she's a musician, and so, uh, but in Israel, of course, they couldn't do anything with that. So my mom basically went into real estate. My dad went into appliance, you know, sales. So he was just selling appliances. And my mom was selling apartments. Motivation can be derived from a whole host of human emotions, 
proving his father wrong was Jan's. My dad kept pushing me, like, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, I, I have no fucking idea. I'm 20 years old. I have no idea. Uh, and then my dad started teasing me to be uh, uh, on the level of, oh, you're nothing. You're nothing. You don't want any education. You're nothing. And I got so pissed that one day I just picked up. I went downtown to uh, Toronto and I just walked through the entire alley of different colleges and just walked to each one of them and said, what are you guys teaching? And they'll tell me what they're teaching. I'm like, thank you very much, I'll walk out. And then the next one I walked in, I said, what are you guys teaching? They're like, oh, we teach interior design architecture. And I walked in into a college called uh, International Academy of Design and Technology. And uh, I'm like, oh, cool, how do I get in? They said, uh, do you have a portfolio? Are you an artist? Are you a painter, a photographer, a designer, anything? I said, sure, I have some paintings that I, I've been doing. And I said, great, great, you know, bring, bring it over. So I did uh, a few days later. Uh, a week after I left the paintings, I got a call from them and they were like, congratulations, you're accepted. Uh, <laughs> the story of making it as an interior designer is a bit atypical because, well, I'll let Jan explain. I didn't actually get to the point of getting my jo full-time job as an interior designer. There is a big organization in, uh, in Ontario called uh, uh, Ontario... Uh, Ontario Association of Interior Designers. It's basically like a, a teacher's association or lawyer's association, whatever else. What they do is they basically scout different uh, designers from different schools around uh, the province of Ontario and they add them to their ranks well before they graduate because if they excel, they want them to be already in their association. And so I got that uh, little card as being a member of their association uh, uh, in my first year of college. Uh, and this is basically a guarantee for a job, like literally. If you're in the association, once you graduate, one of the member companies that with the association will hire you. Already a member of this exclusive association, now all Jan needed to do was raise the funds necessary to realize this amazing opportunity. Money was a problem because legal fees for lawyers and whatnot for immigration cost a lot. And so I ran out of my savings and then I had to figure out what to do because I don't have any credit history to go and get a loan. It's just simply impossible for somebody like me. And um, that was the time when I kind of picked up Photoshop. I learned a bit of Photoshop and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I have a summer vacation. I'm gonna try and do something in Photoshop like business cards. I don't know, invites, posters, whatever there, whatever there is, to try and make at least the first semester going back into school because I had my life planned out. I thought I got another year left in this specific school, then I will go abroad to do, to finalize my third year of BA, studying in like Italy or Spain, uh, observing and then trying to study from the architecture locally there. Jan had clearly taken the time to think through the next chapter of his life. I uh, started learning industrial design on the side as well, just to understand better the furniture side, uh, the, you know, the lighting side and so forth. And my goals were to go back to school, finish my next year, uh, and then for the third year, transfer to one of the colleges in, in Europe and uh, get my BA from there as well. Ultimately, Jan yearned for a career that satisfied his need for a speedier sense of gratification. Interior design architecture is, is a fascinating field. 
uh, but I am one of those people that I like to see quicker results. Because when you start an architecture project, it'll take you years until you actually see a building standing or until you see a fully furnished and designed interior of an office space. Because my ultimate goal was to go into interior design for, for office spaces and not uh, personal houses. Uh, that part fascinated me more than anything else. Even in the early 2000s, resources for Jan to learn design were not as ubiquitous as they are today. So he ended up discovering design in a chat room of all places. I was heavily involved in these chat rooms and one of my buddies who was also in one of those chat rooms from uh, Russian Israel, uh, he kind of started like, hey, look at uh, this website I just designed or look at that uh, something I just designed, right? And I kind of got a little envious. I'm like, hold on a second, you're doing all these things. Like, what are you, what are you doing it with? What are you using? And so I kind of pinged him directly and I'm like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you using? And he introduced me to Photoshop, I think it was 3.1, if my memory serves me right. Uh, that was the version. Uh, he kind of showed me what it is, uh, uh, over the phone explained to me where to poke and what to do. And I spent the next couple of weeks, literally day and night, just like poking everything I could poke in, in Photoshop, pressing every button, trying every filter that they had at the time, every possible option, anything, just to learn. The power of the digital medium was transformational for Jan. Being a painter, it's something that's been around for, what, thousands of years? Uh, and it's, it's the same medium. It's a similar process from painter to painter. Obviously, you know, the, the creativity part is different and what you output and what you uh, produce is different. But the process itself, right? You, you get a canvas, you find your paints, you, you draft, and then you paint, and you, know, you outpour your emotions onto the canvas. Uh, but with the digital part, it was, it was fascinating because you could do something and immediately change it. You could fuck something up and immediately erase it and fix it, right? And you can immediately share it. Like, that was the thing. We would share those JPEGs uh, on, on uh, MIRC and, and with each other. When I asked who he admired, Jan answered without hesitation. Temi Lebedev, uh, and his studio is Art Lebedev. He was inspirational for several reasons. Soviet Union literally just collapsed, like, maybe 10 years before that. And now Russia somewhat in the late 90s, early 2000s, kind of stabilized itself for from like complete chaos in both government, jobs, like anything, right? And he was the first one to come out with uh, forming a, like a kind of a, a formal uh, design studio in Moscow and becoming this icon of the web design industry in Russia and then eventually in Eastern Europe. And his boldness it was simply mesmerizing and just addicting as it turns out Timmy's antics pushed the envelope but ultimately were well simply an honest reaction to design in russia at the time he was one of those people that went on went on tv in russia and mind you i'm sure everyone knows russia in terms of don't say things against the government he went on TV and basically uh, uh, criticized the entire Russian government style in terms of their branding, 
their presentation, uh, the, uh, the slogans, the official seals. Uh, and he started all with uh, a simple slogan that he was basically rolling with. Uh, your, business, your business card is shit. He went on literally designing and building every possible design aspect in the industry, not only digital, but also physical. His studio right now, and have been for the past probably two decades, covering every single design aspect of the country. It's the physical, it's the industrial design, it's the uh, environmental design, it's the web design, branding, graphic, anything. The choice for Jan to make design his primary career aligned well with his love of learning and, well, wasn't something he could necessarily ignore. His 2004, uh, about a year before that, I registered uh, kind of a self-employed business. Uh, in order to be able to provide receipts and, and, and whatnot for customers for when I did their any kind of design work. Um, the business started picking up. Like the, 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 the whole point of, before that I was doing, uh, I was doing business cards, invites, you know, uh, wedding invitations, posters, mostly flyers for clubs and bars. And uh, then I had a project that uh, a guy came to me and said, I want you to design me a website fully in Flash. And he asked me if I can. And I said, sure, having no idea what Flash it is whatsoever. Uh, And he asked me how long it's going to take you. I said, it's going to take me about uh, three plus weeks. He said, fine. And he gave me $250 for that website. Now, mind you, that's the time that I was charging 50, 60 bucks for a project doing flyers and posters and whatnot for the clubbing industry of, of, of Toronto at the time. And um, the three week period of doing the website for the first two weeks, I was basically downloading any kind of information documentation I could find on the internet about Flash, learning it, walking around seeing how to use it and then another week or so building the actual website now that guy when he came to me he was starting his limo business and he remained to be my client for the next almost 15 years growing his business to almost 20 uh, 20 car fleet that's how my eyes were open to the fact that you can actually make a solid business in this Given at the time experience design was in its infancy, Yad didn't get much in the way of positive advice or support, but I promise there's a happy ending. My friends were Yoda Dames, and you're probably going to die from starvation. Um, My my peers in my in my school when I was when I was basically kind of leaving the the school scene, they said that uh, please reach out to us in five years and let us uh, if you survived. Uh, my dad was so angry at me that um, we kind of barely spoke for for probably a few weeks. Uh, my my dad was with the with the ideology of go finish up your degree and then do whatever the fuck you want, right? Get your BA in architecture and chair design, and then if you don't want to work in that, don't. But at least get your degree, finish it, right? And from my perspective was, why would I go and waste another two or three years while I can use those years in order to uh, grow within this specific career? 
Now, my dad remained kind of angry and pissed off and upset at me for doing that uh, for several years until 2005. 2005 was the first time that I received a Canadian Web Award. And when I came home and I basically put that uh, piece of thing on his desk, that's when he said, okay, fine, I get it. I think that my parents, uh, especially my dad, uh, was not very supportive for one main reason, because uh, just because he was creative his entire life uh, and then got bitten by the system saying that, well, you're creative, full tough shit, right? Uh, he was very... Uh, he was very concerned about me becoming a creative and not making it the way he struggled. Uh, and so he wanted me to be in a more solid profession than something like, who knows if it's gonna be anything. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, she was always supportive of me, whatever whatever I would, I would choose to do, obviously. She was always like, yeah, be, be careful, cautious enough, whatever you're doing, but you know, she was still, uh, she was kind of a the support mechanism from the family side. I love my dad, I love my parents, but uh, this is something that I deeply feel that I, I just have to go there. Changing paths from interior design to experience design had a what can be described as a theological impact on Jan's mindset. A revelation. It's like one of those, uh, I know uh, Steve Gates likes to say that there's no such thing as a light bulb coming out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I ultimately had something similar to that. It was like one of those uh, moments where you realize that you stumbled upon something that you don't think many people know, and you're like, shit, I can actually do something here. Like, it's, it's like similar in the, uh, um, uh, what's that movie, The Invention of Lying? I don't know if you saw that, when he's like suddenly realizes that, yeah, yeah realized that he's the only one who can lie. It was practically a similar feeling where I realized that, hold on a second, I can actually enjoy doing this and make money out of it and actually build a career, right? However, I had no idea if it's gonna be lucrative or not. I had no idea if it's gonna be a lot of money, less money, but something that at least sustained myself, right? And mind you, for the first, uh, for the first year of, of doing that and going that direction of being a web designer, I did work at a gas station night shifts. Breaking into design for Jan was no small feat. Here Jan describes the hustle he'd embark on each day. My life was waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning to go pick her up, drive her to school because she was going to school. And then I would drive to Starbucks and start trying to, to find clients. And then I'll go to meetings and drive around those meetings, pick up projects here and there. And then at around three o'clock, I'll go pick her up from school. Uh, we'll hang out for two, three hours or so. Then I'll go home, I'll take a nap for like an hour. And uh, then I'll get up. I'll prepare all of my food, all of my, uh, my laptop, all the notes that I have from all the meetings I had throughout the day. And then I'll go to the gas station to start my shift at 11 p.m. I had a computer which is, was called a notebook uh, and it had no battery. Yeah, the weight was probably about three, four kilos. And the height of the actual device was probably an inch and a half, if not more. 
uh, and so I would carry that thing around with me with the you know the uh, electrical plug and that's what was my uh, uh, my workstation essentially and so I would sit at the gas station throughout the entire night uh, basically executing on those projects that I picked up uh, over the you know uh, last couple of days working on different websites uh, personal pages you know like corporate uh, business card type pages and so forth the life of working at a gas station and lugging around a heavy laptop would push most people to the brink. But for Jan, quitting just wasn't an option. I was struggling, right? I was struggling because it was, it was hard to find clients. There was no, there was no Craigslist or, or Facebook or uh, crowdsourcing websites. You didn't have any of that, right? And so you had to literally go word of mouth. You had to talk to as many people as you can. You had to network a shit a ton. Uh, and uh, you had to advertise yourself in local newspapers. Throughout that time, that period of my life, the thought of quitting did not even cross my mind. I, I don't know why, honestly, I really don't. Sometimes I do reflect on that and I think, that was a, that was a shitty life, like what did I... But uh, at the end of it all, I think that's what shaped me to be who I am today and how I perceive life and, uh, and value different things differently. Jan's journey to learn experience design was like starting all over again. It took me a few years. Uh, the first couple of years were uh, basically a discovery of everything is new and everything is foreign. And then you discover a lot of things about yourself that you didn't know you can do or, or think that way, right? Um, and as I, as I said, right, I was reading as much as I, I possibly can from every source, uh, correct source and incorrect source as well. And so I made a lot of mistakes. I would launch a website that completely failed. I would launch uh, a website that uh, somebody else on some other browser could not even click through. <laughs> Uh, because I used some different tags in HTML that did not work on, uh, I don't know, uh, Firefox at the time when they were launching or Netscape. Uh, you know, it just didn't work. And so the reason why, one of the reasons that I was looking for a job, it's not so much to get money because the hustle was, was hard and was complicated and I did need the money at the time but it was also to try and connect with other designers that I can learn from, somebody who's been in the industry for a little bit longer and knows something more than me. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, part, of the, part of the process of getting to the point of, okay, I'm gonna get to some kind of a job and, and learn something from someone because I, I had no one that was in the industry apart from one of my buddies who was just like building websites for his own, you know, shits and giggles. Handling the mental stress to make it was nothing new for Jan. Being uh, uh, an immigrant, somebody who came from, you know, Soviet Union and then uh, through Israel and then military, hardship is just part of life. You, you kind of accept it as it is. You don't, uh, you don't, you know, sit down and get upset at the fact that something did not go your way or something did not work out the way you thought it should be, right? And your plans failed. Uh, it's something that doesn't really cross us, uh, our mind. I would not say mind, but our mind, because people that I know who are similar to me, who went through the similar similar process, regardless of the fact which profession they're in, 
the the part of struggling it's not something that we're like okay how do i how do i do this how do I? no it's just yeah shit happens move on you know and uh i know it sounds harsh maybe uh but i think um I think that's the benefit of of my life and my struggles through this entire industry where even if I kept failing I did not see it as a as as failing per se I was seeing it okay uh, something went wrong Uh, I gotta regroup I gotta figure out what went wrong fix it and move on right Um, that I have mentally uh, exhaustive moments absolutely that I have physically exhaustive moments? Yeah, I was falling asleep in the middle of the street. I had literally weeks that I did not sleep. Uh, but that's just something I accepted and I just kept on going with it. The journey to become a designer gave Jan a new outlook on not just his career, but also on his life. No matter what happens in my life, I can come out of it on the other side. There's literally no limit to how much people can do if if they are, um, if they don't see it as a block, but rather a hill. Much like his pivot to experience design, Jan's first job seemed to be preordained. Little did he know it would turn out differently than he'd hoped. Out of the blue, stumbled upon a uh, an ad in one of the newspapers, uh, looking for a junior web designer at an agency in downtown Toronto. I rushed, I called, I got an interview, I went and I met with the guy, and what connected us, I don't think the fact, I don't think he really cared if I'm creative or not, what he cared about is the fact that I'm also an Israeli, and the guy was from Israel as well. So we got that connection, Uh, and he hired me, and that was the worst job I ever had. It was a tiny studio, uh, f- uh, founded by this Israeli guy who uh, I think came from an advertising industry in Israel. Uh, it was in a house. The house was basically reconstructed to be like an office. First floor was all the uh, designers and engineers and the top floor, that's where the uh, owner used to sit. Uh, I had an art director. My job was to design buttons and menus. That was my entire existence in the company is from morning to night, yeah, I would design buttons and uh, menus for websites. Because the business was, uh, the studio was producing uh, e-commerce websites, which was a big thing at the time. Uh, now, why was it terrible? Because the owner of the studio used to fire us and rehire us every couple of months. He would go to a meeting with a client, something would go sideways, he'll come back into the office, he'll like slam the door and like, you're all morons, you're all fired. And we'll like pick up, go outside for a smoke, and then literally three hours later or so, he'll come out and like, okay, come back to work. The lessons Jan took away from his experience had an impact on both his personal and business approaches. One, I've learned that uh, don't be an asshole to your employees. second thing that I've learned is how to properly work with customers and properly estimate their projects. Because this guy was constantly underestimating and overpromising. Constantly. Uh, and it also gave me a good visibility into how 
to properly design, execute, and deliver an e-commerce website, not just a regular website. Starting on day one, imposter syndrome impacted Jan both emotionally and financially. Every meeting that I had, I had to show up with probably more than than I I, I, I was. Like I always try to present somebody who's been in the industry far longer than I was. Uh, and I constantly undervalued the project costs. Just because I felt that why would they pay me $5,000 for a website if there is this studio with this amazing art director of my competitor that he actually came from OCAT, which is one of the famous art colleges in, in Toronto, right? Um, so that was uh, imposter syndrome essentially uh, made me to be on the cheaper end of the uh, design community than many other people. So I would not say that I've handled that pretty well, if at all, until until it was like well eight, nine years into my career. Jan's foundation in interior design provided various methods that he leverages throughout his design process. When I was in college, we um, we studied things like traffic flow, space traffic flow, right? That is easily translated into how do you lay out a website, for instance. How do you utilize the negative space to present the positive space in such a way that it creates a focal point, right? So that's that. Then uh, we also had color and human psychology, how color impacts the human psychology in space. I've been utilizing that throughout my entire career and how do colors impact people in digital space? on the website, and the banner, and branding, uh, on, the, on a mobile app, and so forth. Materials, another thing. When I was in college, we studied different materials, uh, fabrics, different woods, uh, different uh, tiles, uh, building blocks, and so forth. Equally the same when uh, Mobile apps came around with the first iPhone, for instance, and they were trying to be uh, somewhat representative of a real-world reality. It was a lot easier for me to design a kind of realistic representation of a fabric or wood uh, pattern or texture than a lot of my competitors, which gave me actually an advantage. For Jan, his future in design looks bright as he continues to grow. I'm hoping to continue building the design team in my company right now and uh, implementing some of the systems and processes that I've uh, designed in recent uh, couple of months uh, uh, to be implemented in our organization. Jan sums up his advice to his younger self in just one word. Dude, just chill. Everything's going to be fine. That wraps up episode number three. I want to thank Jan again for telling his amazing story. 
on the next episode of Discovering Design, we'll hear from a designer who was formerly an attorney. As always, be curious and never stop learning.